Welcome back to number three in our Mophie series as we tackle the third episode of Masters of Horror to air in 2005. And it is none other than Toby Hooper's Dance of the Dead. Yep. That's the, mo- that's the <laughs> that, show. That, this that is the thing. Uh, so Dance of the Dead uh, is a... Nine hour long, fifty nine minute episode <laughs> is the easiest way to describe uh, this. I don't want to look. Why bury the lead? Is this the worst one? I think it might be. I don't think. I mean, I, I want you to be what? right because that would make life so much easier for the next eight more episodes of these for season one. However, I don't think you are. So surprises around the bend, but this. Okay, this one might not be the worst one, but it definitely is likely to be my least favorite. That's like fair. Like the, the one that committed so many crimes that I cannot forgive it. <laughs> uh, that That is reasonable. So let's um, start with the <laughs> pedigree behind it. Um, and we always ask the question, was this an episode by a master of horror? And yes. Yeah. Oh, sorry. It's Toby Hooper. It's Toby Hooper. Yeah. So, so Yeah. So sometimes this is what I, I I talk about Toby Hooper a lot, which is weird. For somebody who hasn't seen The Fun House, you do. I do! But, like, Toby Hooper directed my two favorite horror movies. Texas Chainsaw and Poltergeist. Like, they're my two favorite horror movies. Are you, I don't know that we've ever talked about this, are you on team Toby Hooper directed Poltergeist? Or are you on Spielberg directed Poltergeist? Or are you on I I Will Never Know? Like, that's the can I one. Can I tell you that we t- my household talks about this a lot? <laughs> I don't know why. Like, it's just Drag Race and Toby Hooper. That's all we talk know. about here. Um, so Zach listens to a lot of podcasts. And he has heard people, like, who are on set talk about it. What it seems like to me, based on what I know and what I've heard people say and what Zach says he's heard people say on podcast, is that Toby Hooper 100% directed it, but all of the people, all the aces were in their places, courtesy of Spielberg. Spielberg. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's hard to make a bad movie when everybody on set and everybody in every department is awesome and amazing and great at their job. Sure. Yeah. I've always thought, too, that maybe some of the kid stuff was handled by Spielberg, just yeah. in part because I know, like, I always remember reading the one anecdote about the clown uh, strangle scene where the young actor, like, re- like there was, like, a glitch and he really was being strangled. And Steven Spielberg was like, okay, oh, was, like, really, like, involved in that scene. So it always made me wonder if, oh, maybe Spielberg was handling the kids more, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't know. So... either way Mm -hmm. but great i still i think texas chainsaw is is a is a series of of fortunate events like i've i've watched the documentary that comes along with the special edition disc i've read a lot about it Mm -hmm. it really does feel like a lot of it was like a happy accident um but a happy accident that made one of the greatest horror films of all time yeah so like i don't know man i I've seen other Toby Hooper movie, like the alligator one or the crocodile one. Uh, <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? I'm, I, uh, actually, we just crocodile. About it's how... called Crocodile. Is it called Crocodile? Yeah, from 2000. <laughs> Who am I? What do I do? <laughs> um, I don't like that. Mm-hmm. I haven't look. I haven't seen much because the other uh, stuff that's not the two movies that I just said I didn't like. Well, so I like, like I like his Salem's Lot. 
he did the miniseries, the the old the nineteen seventy nine miniseries of Salem's Lot, which I enjoyed. Oh, that's fine. There's I... a there's a Rob Lowe version that's better. <laughs> Look, I mean it. That's good. I, the Rob Lowe version starts really well. I will give you that. The first like hour, Andrew, the first Andrew episode Brower is very good. Yeah. This is not. This is not Salem's Lot cast. It yeah. should be. Well, maybe. Um, I still can't believe you haven't seen The Fun House, which is a movie I love. Uh, Invaders from Mars is interesting, but not great. Life oh, Force. I hated dude. Life Force. I yeah. hated it. Dudes love Life Force because there is a hot chick with big boobs naked the whole time. Um, sure. I don't think it's a very good movie. So. There's that. Um, he did the Mangler, where he formed probably a relationship with the co-star of Dance of the Dead, Mr. Robert England. Mm, yes. So the other Master of Hari that you have behind this, because this I feel like is such a loaded episode in terms of on paper, you have Toby Hooper, you have starring Robert England, and you have, based on a short story by Richard Matheson, adapted by, I believe, his son. His son. Yeah. So, I mean, and Richard Matheson, it was um, Mega Man and many a Twilight Zone episode and The Incredible Shrinking Man and brilliant sci-fi that defined a lot of the 50s, 60s and what came came from it. So, you know, if I when I just look at a synopsis of this with those people involved, it's really exciting, wouldn't you say? Um, yeah. So... <laughs> Sure. Yeah. I I know enough to know that sometimes things are different than the sum of their parts. <laughs> um I I saw this episode again, Toby Hooper directed two of my favorite period movies. Just period not mm-hmm. horror movies, movies of all time. Um this is one that when I was, you know, rifling through the the box of DVDs, I said, oh, the Toby Hooper directed one. I need to watch this. This was prioritized. Um, I hated it when I saw it. I don't think if, I don't think I could have articulated to you why mm-hmm. I hate sure. I could have, but I mean, now I don't remember why I hated it. I just remember I hated it. Then, like, later in my life, I was reading a Richard Matheson collection and found this story and went, this is a lot like that awful episode <laughs> of of Masters of Horror. So I then confirmed that it was, in fact, the same story uh-huh. that it was based on and was like, oh, well, now I hate it even more in preparation. I do more prep for these episodes. <laughs> regular episodes. I reread the short story. <gasps> oh, I'm so excited to hear. Tell me about the short story. I've never read it. Um, imagine if this was good. <laughs> I can't because it's so bad that it's too um, hard to do. Okay, so well, let's give a quick, quick little Please. synopsis of this of this episode. So basically, this episode um, centers on this this lady named Peggy, who is an actress you might recognize, uh, Jessica Landis, who she's in stuff. I've seen her in a movie called Abattoir, directed by Darren Lynn Bowsman. Ironically, who will come up when I'm talking about this later? Well, she <laughs> she is one of those actresses who um, does. She was a 90210 reboot actress, but she basically makes one of two movies. She makes either fairly low-budget horror films for Darren Lynn Bowsman, or she makes Hallmark Christmas movies. Ooh, I did not... I didn't... Girl. She, I think, has made, like, seven of them. She might have the record right now, um, like, right behind, like, Candace Cameron and Lacey Chabert, like, the ones who've been doing it for a while. She (laughs) is right up there. She does one every year. Do you watch The Masked Singer? Of course you don't, because you have taste. I really have terrible taste. What are you talking about? I think Lacey Chabert is the cat. Oh, that's all. I just wanted to say that because one of the one of the clues, 
one of the clues made me think, oh, it's somebody in Christmas movies. And because of you, I said, well, I, Lacey Chabert is in Christmas movies. I know that. Well, and I can tell you something. <laughs> Lacey Chabert can also sing. And fun yes, fact. I think it's Lacey Chabert. Oh, okay, do you want to hear right. a really fun fact about Lacey Chabert and me? When you know, I, can you ask her if she's the cat? Um, I have I have her autograph on a uh, uh, playbill from Les Misérables because when I was ten years old, my family went to see Les Misérables on Broadway, and guess who played young Cosette? A young really? lady named Lacey Chabert. And afterwards, we did it was like the first Broadway show my family had gone to, so like we were doing the whole stage door thing where you stand back, and when the cast comes out, they sign your programs and stuff. And Lacey Chabert, who was like probably about my age. And she signed my program and my brother's program. And my grandma was convinced that she was flirting with my brother. <laughs> Wasn't she little, though? She was, yeah, she was little. She was, I mean, she was probably about my age, a little older, maybe. I mean, I guess you can flirt at that age. Yeah. I mean, my brother would have been like 12, 13. So it was, it was all age appropriate. <laughs> very cute and funny yes i i digress again i'm sorry maybe i'm trying to avoid what's there's a lot, so much to avoid in this 59 minute nine hour episode that just doesn't end um so it's about a girl <clears throat> this story centers on this girl named peggy and she's the only one with the same name in the story everybody else's name is different okay. that's neither here nor there i just thought that was weird um so peggy is like a small town girl who doesn't know a lot about the big city, <laughs> but also the big city is like post-apocalyptic and everything is terrible. It's all and cyberpunk in the worst way. There's like these, these like, what, what was Blizz to you? What did you feel like that was that rained from the sky? Well, that so ash that they rained kind from the sky? of set this and, and they say <laughs> world war three has happened and sure. they give you <clears throat> flashbacks to, you know, 10 years earlier when, there was blitzing. I mean, I took it as World War II blitz, only more um, chemicalized and deadlier. I mean, the blitz was, you know, bombings in civilian areas that killed a whole lot of people. This seemed to be bombings, but like nuclear or something. With, okay. Am I right? I, I felt super nuclear about it, too. Okay. I don't feel, I feel like, look. Richard Matheson's son, if you're listening to this, explain to me your choices, but also let's talk about your dad. Um, anyways, <laughs> it was weird, and I didn't feel like it was 100% clear. That's well, it was also, might be the worst CGI this series oh, will so get. Bad. It is really bad CGI. It was like, it's like Asylum Levels Today yeah. CGI. So in the flashbacks, it's established that ash rains down from the sky and it like burns people up. And like this mother and her two daughters, for some reason, are having an outdoor birthday party when they know that this is a possibility <laughs> right? of happening, which seemed to hit yeah, really close to canopy. home yeah. during this this period of where people seem to be willfully mm. negligent. But point. like, <laughs> so like all, the, all these, the, all this stuff happens, but now we live in this like grim, dark awful post-apocalyptic world where this like band of roving maniacs comes and steals old people's blood for some reason why old people i don't know did the show explain it nope did not okay so old people's blood steal some old people blood one of them happens to be jonathan tucker and let me get this out of the way right now if you have not seen the new charlie's angels he's so fucking hot i love him so much and he is so good in this he plays jack with no c which is kind of obnoxious, but he, you're right. He is. I mean, he's also in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake, and he's the best. He he is he is has is a, a very handsome man, 
and has a really sweet presence. Uh, what's funny is I, I realized watching this, I'm like, oh yeah, he's in like every horror movie from this age. Yeah. And then I realized, oh no, he's not. I get him and Mark Center confused <laughs> and a little bit of Noah Segan confused. Um, oh. But Mark Center and Jonathan Tucker are both dark haired kind of like they, they very much look alike except mark center i think tends to play the more evil character mm-hmm. um so i did learn something watching this which is they're two different people well that's exciting for yes, you yes i i realized that he was in this when i was i guess being sa- sad tweeting about this after Stuart gordon died and i was like oh man i this is now this is the only reason i want to rewatch this episode because i don't remember enjoying it but i was like oh this boy that i think is cute is in it and that's enough motivation for me i'm a human woman um and he gets he, to be very cute in it like he's, he's one of those bad gold. boys with a heart of gold kind of thing and it works he and peggy are likable and compelling mm-hmm. um, and they would which, have very pretty babies it, it it all it, that's fine, but there's also the, but then they also steal blood, and it not Peggy. Peggy's really nice, but him and his friend, who is arguably the most obnoxious. Oh my character god! In the world. So I have a theory about his friend. I think um so he has yeah this other like fellow punk friend who's like really crazy. I am pretty sure that either that actor or that character's favorite movie growing up and the one that he would watch all the time, the way I would watch the Ewoks Part Two. I think he watched the Never Ending Story Part Three. And modeled his performance on Jack Black in that movie. All right. Um, that's fair. He's not a bad actor. The the boy, he was in a lot of episodes of Fringe. I actually really liked him in it and thought he was cute. And in this, is it's not it for me. It's just obnoxious. It's not, you're not the one. Um, so they steal blood and they go into Peggy's mom's weird restaurant. Peggy's mom <laughs> is is a wild ride. But oh that's fine, whatever. She's whatever. Well, it She's becomes just... a very key part of and oh god, the, this episode is so paced poorly because ultimately she is the most important part of the episode in a way. And you you don't really realize that until the very end because there's so much other shit on top of shit. Yeah, because I'll I'll get into it. So, so Peggy's mom is super important, but also super overbearing. But also, you kind of get it. But also, you're like, I don't know, chill out. But anyways, Peggy, for whatever reason, I don't feel like it's well established. Other than Jonathan Tucker being fucking hot, mm-hmm. decides to make a stupid decision and go to to Apocalypse Town with him and his awful friends. His awful friends who are awful to go watch naked women get prodded with cattle prods get electrocuted but uh, they're also dead and also robert england's there being very obnoxious oh god this, just this is just not a good lot robert of, england. Yeah. a lot of and look man i don't know don't set robert Re- robert england up to fail that's just yeah. just thought um so then also so robert england has this club where there's like there's reanimated that reanimated by the old people blood i think i think so too (laughs) corpses of just very slender young naked women that jolt around the stage and it's there's a lot so hmm (laughs) so that 
that's basically the episode. They get there, and then there's this, and then there's these corp, there's these dead lady corpses that are not quite dead, but like spasmatic, like everywhere. Uh-huh. And there's like Robert England and necrophilia, and yep, just just a lot. And also like the mass burning of female bodies. This. This this is the worst thing I've ever put my eyes on. I hate it so much. Well, it it's funny too because we we talked a lot about the order in which these episodes aired, and that you had two just stories. That yes, they were you know the first story is a woman's story that has like kind of you know some nasty stuff. Second episode is a man, man's point of view and but telling a you know fairly traditional story. But like yeah, there's a naked woman. Like there's some sexiness and weirdness going on. Then you get to this episode, and then you get to the next episode, and then you get to the next episode, and you get to what I call the heterosexual, um, like, what, outblast of shit episodes of this series. Because this, and then to get, no, I don't want to jump ahead to the next episode, which is just so, so, this is a dude's wet dream as, as an episode of TV. Um, so, what are you saying that you think this show hates women? Because I'm going to say that. Oh, I know. I wouldn't say it. I'm not going to say it, it blatantly hates women. I'm going to say this show, and it's very much the episodes dependent on the director, dependent on, the, on who's doing the storytelling. I think it's more, this is such a representation of heterosexual dude heterosexual white dude in 2005 and you see it in almost every episode even the good ones even though even the ones that are telling a female story are still very heterosexual dude telling the story and this one and i think i mean jennifer is worse at this but we'll get there um but this one where sure like i guess your main character is this young woman and and I actually agree. I think Jessica Landis is actually really good in it. And the final scene where she like has a big dramatic moment, I think is is a decent scene. And I think she's fine in doing what she does. But why the fuck do we have to see so many? And it's not like, oh, why do we have to see naked women? Like, no, no, no. These are naked, wet dream women zombies being prodded. And it, it and here's Robert England getting a blowjob from a zombie girl. Like, it it really is just like ugh. <laughs> um it's stupid and it's yeah. offensive and that's the and... problem is it's not you can you can do this stuff and it can still be entertaining or you could do this stuff and make a point about it the movie dead girl which i always reference because i think it is such a good film that i never really want to watch again um because it's a really hard film to watch came out a couple of years ago it's a zombie film about a, about two teenage dudes who find a zombie girl and just basically rape her. And that sounds terrible, but the movie understands what it's doing. It's telling a story about how, how awful this is and how these dudes are so awful and what this other dude's learning about it. And it like it exists for a reason. And this just exists to show a lot of naked zombie boobs in a way that's just gross. Ugh, I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 disturbing and... and and stupid and unnecessary and doesn't actually serve the plot because I still don't know what this was about. It had 59 minutes. Oh my God. I still don't know what it was about. Because we get to the ending, we should say mm -hmm. like, so you kind of think, I I don't, I don't know what you think this is about. It's about, is it this one zany night story? Is it about this club? Is it about what? And then you find out like, Oh no, it's actually about the, one of the zombie girls dancing is 
Peggy's sister because her mother sold the sister because she was a junkie to Robert England. And now Peggy gets the last laugh by selling her mother to do the same thing. What? Okay. But why? And like, because like, it's, oh, this is all this time the real villain was Peggy's mom. But why? Like, I don't know right. why. Like, it was not. I don't. Ugh. Yeah. I don't. So, so we're going to talk. The next episode, which we at, at this point have both watched, is uh, Jennifer, which was infamous, which I had never seen. But we'll talk. We'll probably compare and contrast a little. Um, and so yes. there'll be some overlap. But I will say that this one, to me, was worse than Jennifer. For Jennifer for, at least um, has a point of view. Yeah, and it, it Jennifer has a is story, telling a story. It has a story structure, and in Jennifer, not it's Zach pointed this out. Jennifer's um, thesis isn't that. Jennifer's thesis statement is that this woman is bad. This movie is like either all women are bad or useless. There's like it's it's a it's a blanket. It's like all, every like. Um, I don't know if I'd agree because the only I woman mean, who's really the villain is the mother. That's not true. The two women that they're with. Well, the, yeah, but they're the, as they bad in. as Jack Black want to be. Yeah, but those are the only women we see. No, we see Peggy. Um, and Peggy is, turns bad. Peggy. No, I don't know that I'd say Peggy turns bad. Peggy she sells her mother. Who sold yes, her she, sister. But that wasn't even that bad. Her sister was dead. Why? I don't know why they made this into this awful villainous act. I don't, is it, was the sister dead or was the sister almost dead? I thought he was like, oh, she was almost dead. Like she was a junkie. So she was like going to die anyway, kind of thing. But what if, so he killed her? I, I don't know. Then be mad at him. Oh, God, I don't know. Because these are reanimated corpses. This story makes yeah. no sense. Well, because you also I, have the other part to the mother, which is, and again, this is more like piling on that would have made this episode shorter but that peggy's mom from the beginning did two things very terrible one is she always loved peggy more for some reason yeah, right weird. and the other is that um when the blitz was happening and peggy's mom immediately grabs her daughters and runs inside and locks the door and won't let anybody else in including her sister and her niece and her niece ends up dying and her sister ends up being disfigured and it's just such a like what there was why wouldn't she just open the door? It's not like the Blitz could get inside and like run around and scamper and get you. Like it was just you know, run inside and you're sheltered. So it's such a dramatic, weird, like, oh yeah, this woman is awful, but I don't even know why she's awful. Cause she's making stupid decisions. She's not even just making like selfish decisions. They're just inane decisions. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's weird. And I, I, I really do feel like, like the, we'll talk about it in Jennifer, but there are female characters in Jennifer where you're like, all right, there's not one good female character in this. There is a universe. This builds a world of bad women. It builds a world of disposable bad women. The two women that they're hanging out with, that the boy, the boys is contemporaries. They're both, they're both like, like bad sluts. Yeah. And like, like cartoonishly bad. Yep. And then when the one that the that comes with them into into Apocalypseville to see the dead things. She's like, I'm a bad slut. And you know what? I deserve to be sad because I'm such a bad slut. And I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck is this? She's not even ex excited about being bad. She's like, 
I deserve everything that comes to me. It was so fucking weird. It was bad. So, so this is, and this is, I guess, maybe why it makes me even angrier because none of this is in the story. Really? So tell me, about, what is this? How is the story? What is the story of the story? So the story is four people, like two two girls, two boys. Um, Peggy is Peggy is the only same named one mm-hmm. so i'll just say peggy and then everybody else so peggy the way it starts it's in the car and in and it makes sense because in this episode there's like the extended car sequence the Ugh. extended oh cars it just kept going it just kept going how'd they not so, crash so that's how it starts though is them driving to i think it's st louis in the in the story and peggy they all go to school together they all go to college together and there has been a world war three and things are not great. But Peggy is in college. There is still college, a collegiate system in place. And she, basically, her mother has said, be careful who you're friends with. Watch who you make friends with. When you go out, don't drink. Watch out for yourself. But Peggy's super lonely. So she agrees to go and hang out with these three kids. One of the boys likes her. And she agrees to go hang out with them. They're going to drive to St. Louis. She doesn't know that they're going to go see the Loopies dance. Okay. She doesn't really even know what that is. So they're in the car. And it's it's varying degrees of what's in the car um, seen in the actual show. So it's but not it's just not, screaming it, over and over again for no, 25 minutes? It's fine. And, like, the boy she's with keeps trying to, like, kiss her and touch her. And she's a little put off by it. But she doesn't feel necessarily unsafe. She knows these kids. And they get Saint. They're, they're on the way, and, and they're they talk about the loopies, which is basically these corpses that get reanimated because of this germ warfare they were using in World War Three. Okay. Um, and they're and the girl, the other girl that's there is like, you've never seen the loopies. You have to go. We have to bring her. So they go to a club, and the the MC comes out and says a sentence, and then and then a girl comes out on stage and basically flails around there's no cattle prods um the language indicates that it's not always a woman Hmm. Uh, and uh she flails around she falls onto their table um peggy is very upset passes out and in the end they have she ends up back in the car and she now is one she she they're her friends now so basically, it, it reads as if it's like a passage into womanhood or into adulthood. Okay. About maybe maybe not listening to your mother, maybe making your own choices, deciding what's right for your life, okay. facing the horrors of the unknown. I mean, it's not the best Matheson story, but mm-hmm. like it's it's good enough, sure. and it's interesting, and it's ve- it's it's subtle, and it's nuanced, and it's mm-hmm. interesting. It's not vulgar. It's not extreme. <laughs> so, what's the deal with his son? Because <laughs> that's not this. So it's strange. So that, I guess that's what's making me angrier is what they chose to put in. Yeah. Like I get that you need because it is a very thin. It's not a thin story, but it's a very it's a huge world and this the tiniest little story inside of it. So I get why that would be hard to make like an hour long thing about. Mm-hmm. So I, I understand needing to flesh it out, like making the mother a character or, or whatever, but why the choices they made? Because they tr- they the problem blood? is they try to go the, the other side and they try to make it epic. I think in some ways this is the most ambitious 
ambitious of maybe all of season one because it tries to give you a future but yet it also gives you flashbacks to how we got to that future and it just tries to do so much but yet it is so near unwatchable because it is such a crappy style and attitude that I don't want it to try anything so that's that's a so yes so a huge problem is not just the story it's the way that this is filmed and it this is it's like it's trying to be like a very bad impersonation of an edgy Darren Lynn Bowsman thing yeah like it's it is nonstop with the with the weird camera effect about like a woman eating a sandwich it's so strange <laughs> it's it's assaultive in a bad way so you put that on top of like the unrelenting female violence yeah. and it's just like i get like boobs are fine great just chock full of boobs throw some boobs in there but why like this why why do you have to couple boobs and violence if there is one thing i have learned from masters of horror season one so far <laughs> it's that boobs are the greatest thing ever in the world christine I don't know how we don't just like walk around just touching them all day because these directors love boobs so much that you would think they were all Al Bundy. There are so many boobs and and not even good boobs in this one. It's like, it's fine. Like I think I, I get sad thinking about how it's easy to lump witch house in with this because it did technically it's big villain was a lady and there right. was and there's lady nudity yeah. but like witch house is like if you didn't have like we we can have bad ladies lady villains sure. are a thing like they should be because if you if you make ladies never be able to be bad then you're doing right. just as bad as if ladies are mm-hmm. always bad um so like witch house can does a couple of these things but not the way that some of these other ones seem to be doing it like this is this one is so fucking af- I, and the music it's Billy Corgan, Billy Corgan. <laughs> guest starring it's, in it too is so bad yeah. is so bad he they did Smashing Pumpkins maybe it was just Corgan either way there's it's music just him the, it's not it's not officially it's music by Billy Corgan I think but like the Ransom soundtrack Mel Gibson's Ransom um that movie mm, okay. Uh, he, I think it's just him, or maybe it's all of them. I don't know. There's, they didn't that soundtrack. That soundtrack was a Billy Corgan soundtrack. And if memory serves, that soundtrack is not bad. Or the songs he did on it, the things he did on it were not bad. Um, anybody that's a ransom head like me, whenever the boy is blindfolded <laughs> and there's music playing very loud, it's Billy Corgan music. Yeah. This was so bad, though. And I'll fully admit that there's a Ooh. lot in here that's just not my taste and the music is one like i'm not i'm not a big like modern music fan so like you know like billy somebody said billy corgan like i'm not excited like oh no it was bad though exactly it's, that's the thing like <laughs> it's not just like i can understand when something isn't my taste but yeah. this is just just I, who's even if this is your taste if you were a, like cyberpunk fan if you were like there's a lot here that has and i think again to go back to darren lynn bowsman because a lot of his stuff, I mean, when I was watching this, I just kept thinking of Repo, the gen- genetic opera. Yes! Which was, um, what, 2000? Nope. He was doing the short in 2006. The movie itself was 2008. And that's a movie that has such a specific aesthetic. And it's one that, like, it's not my style, but I really like that movie. And I really respect how that movie 
does what it does. It takes a style that isn't my thing, but it does it really well. It's very underrated, I think, in many ways. And watching Dance of the Dead, I'm like, this is what Repo would have been like if it was really bad, if it wasn't made well, <laughs> plain and simple. I'm curious now, because this I'm, we were saying like, oh, this kind of rips off, not that it rips off Darren Lynn Bowser, but it feels very much of that aesthetic. And he wasn't really actively working until the same year. Saw 2 comes out in 2005. Yeah, it's it's weird then, what is this trying to do? That yeah. if it's, I know, it. so this 100% feels like a 90s thing too. Like it's oh, so. You know, you know what I realized I keep thinking of? Uh, Strangeland. D. Snyder's Strangeland. Yes! Yeah. Oh boy, yeah. Which is not a yeah. good movie. No. Um, which has a certain it's again it is that it's that punk aesthetic that when done badly is the epitome of like why mothers were afraid of their sons watching horror movies you know what I mean yeah. it's that like black t-shirt like hard rock music long hair and it's just you can do that really well I mean Strangeland doesn't do that very well but you can do that well this does not at all um, I'm trying to look at a list of horror. Okay, a list of horror movies released in 2005. Because I'm curious, like, what was the aesthetic right now coming out? Um, Blood Rain, <laughs> uh, The Cave, Constantine, Cry Wolf. Oh, Curse. Constantine's so good. Let's just talk about Constantine. <laughs> oh, The Devil's Rejects came out in 2005. Ooh. That kind of makes sense. Like, I'm kind of seeing. What? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. There you go. There's some. So this is like taking. Hostile. Taking a... Yeah. It's taking like a very like, okay, this is what the story is story and trying to make it extreme. Yeah. And the way that we make things extreme is by doing annoying camera things and also violence against women. Yep. So like, you know what then? Success. Yeah. Because this had it. This had all of that. And then some. Yeah, I want. I mean, I remember when this came out. I did watch this one when it aired, and I remember being just not liking it and just being disappointed and just thinking, "Well, I'll never watch that again." Um, little did I know that fifteen years Oops. later. Oops. Um, but I would say this one has aged badly. It has a. It is worse on rewatch. Yeah. Um, and it's not even like the nostalgia is, like we're saying, seeing. Toby Hooper kind of try to match what he thought the current aesthetic was in horror, but it's just not well done in any no, way. No, not at all. Front. Not at all. Some of the actors emerge unscathed. That's it. Yeah, it's 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 strange. Um, and like I kept thinking of uh, when I I didn't I was like one of the seven people that didn't like Ready or Not this past okay. year. And like I, one of my things was how it played with dead female bodies for humor, mm-hmm. um, and and like you can agree with me or not agree with me. Like I don't, I don't care. A lot of people love that movie, but that's how I felt. It made me uncomfortable. Sure. This is like you can't even fucking argue with me. Yeah, this a hundred percent was just female bodies as cannon fodder, and I, it was just so gross. It feels so designed for a fourteen-year-old boy. Which is so sad because yeah. hello, fourteen-year-old boys. You can like 
boobies and not have to have them set on fire exactly like you can see (laughs) boobies and dreams in the witch house and like that's like you can open playboy like you can you can see good boobies like that's fine i'm not saying anything bad against boobies we can we can just we cannot pair it with lighting a woman on fire i think it's maybe where i'm at in my life with really obnoxious billy corgan music oh it's so bad if you if you're like oh emily and christine are blowing this out of proportion it's so watch it watch the episode guys it's worse than we're making it sound. Somehow. Somehow yeah. I'm not being mean enough to it. I don't think we are. Yeah. <sighs> so this is the first of the three that was not a recommend. Although, again, <laughs> unless you think that we are off base and that we're just being too ragey feminist about it, like then I compel you to watch it and tell us that we are wrong. Because, you know what? That's great if you do think that. But also there are, there are plot things that make no sense. Oh, totally. Yeah. And so. acting things, and <laughs> so, I wouldn't say acting things, and and directing actor yeah. things more than anything, because yeah. yeah. this is one too where these actors were all doing what they were being told to do and going as far as they were being told to go. And I mean, Robert England is not a bad actor. We know Robert England can make magic out of something small, and yes. he was basically told like, yeah, yeah, just just keep doing that. What he, you're doing, he keep has, doing it. He has a couple line reads, especially towards the very end, that are actually funny but by that point it's like i'm so fucking done yep totally um yeah all right so that our friends was dance of the dead um something i learned today so i went ahead and just could not take the roku commercials being so loud i just went ahead and bought uh, you can get the dvd for ten dollars on amazon if you're you or find another way because amazon is doing their thing um but it was 10 bucks and it's it's the whole season one do you want to know how one more thing that the series can't do right, Christine? What? So I open up the set thinking, okay, I'm going to take the first disc. What right? set did you get? It's just the one. It's the one. Um, uh, how do we, it's not the big box set. It is one DVD case with I think four DVDs in it or three DVDs okay. in it. So, so like multiple episodes. Yeah, on there's the disc. four episodes per disc. I don't think there's any special features. Although maybe there's an extra disc. I should check that. Um, and so it's, I decided, I'm like, yeah, it's easier for me to watch them that way. Apparently there is a, um, another app uh, that um, listener Abby recommended on Facebook, which is Hoopla, which is another library app, kind of oh, like. Oh, it's on Hoopla? Yeah. So you can oh, watch Hoopla I might do that. If you have access to Hoopla. I don't think New York City Public Library does, but other public libraries. Um, if you have a public library card, add Hoopla, if you can, to your Roku or whatever your system is. Yeah. And you can we, access We stuff. do it. It's super easy. Nice. Like, Very nice. I can, I can attest. I did not know that. And I will probably recommend we do that from here mm-hmm. on out. Yeah. Um, but here's a great thing about the DVDs. They're not in any sensical order. Cool. Disc one is... Um, chocolate hunt dance of the dead um like they're not like they should be in chronological order or maybe alphabetical order or something but no they are in a random order so you have to like look at it on um wikipedia to see which what's the next episode okay it's on disc seven oh what's the next episode it's on disc two makes no sense one more thing this this show could not do right it's really weird the set we were talking about the sets with uh, i think vishnu yes the big fancy skull sets when I did own this, I had like a big set that looked like a like a mausoleum. Mm, it's nice. each and it was like each disc was in a, like a little slit, like a paper slip, and the paper slip had all the pertinence on it, like what episode it was and nice. who directed it and stuff. So you could kind of just go through like a little like a little uh, 
do a decimal catalog car, catalog uh, cards and be like, hey, yes, I'll take this one and slide it out. So it makes me sad that yours is set up stupid. Yeah, mine's the cheap, stupid <laughs> setup one. <sighs> oh, well, well. Um, again, don't watch it unless you don't believe us, and then watch it and don't say we didn't tell you so. Uh, Jonathan Tucker's <laughs> in it, or you could just watch Charlie's Angels again. He's so hot in Charlie's Angels, everybody. There you go. It's my PSA. <laughs> we do what we can for you, folks. I got them heavy boobs, heavy boobs. Dance like dying stars. I got them heavy boobs, heavy boobs. I can't run real far. Let me break down what I just said. Each of my double D's has the volume of a toddler's head. Now bitching about my boobies, they look super fly in shirts. But if I swung them in your face, you'd be like, oh my God, that hurts. I'm blind, holy crap, I literally can't see. I have permanent retinal damage. I'm suing you and your heavy boobies. Heavy boobs, heavy boobs, dance like dying stars. I got them heavy boobs, heavy boobs. They each have their own memoirs. What you gotta know is that boobs may be where it's at. But if you cut them open, they're just sacks of yellow fat. Stuff falls into my bra, it's a little bit of a drag. But when I go to bed at night, it's like opening a Mary Poppins bag. I got them heavy boobs, heavy boobs, dance like dying stars. I got them heavy boobs, heavy boobs, don't need an airbag in my car. Here is a list of all of the objects that I can hold under my boobs. Stapler, ten pencils, paperback copy of Arabian Nights, dog bone, remote control, hardback copy of Wuthering Heights. See, when a star is dying, it transforms into a red giant. And if the red giant does not have enough mass to fuse carbon, an inert mass of carbon and oxygen builds up in the center, transforming into a dense white dwarf. And yeah, like, that's my boobs. That's, that's what my boobs are like. I got them heavy boobs, heavy boobs, dense like a white dwarf. I got them heavy boobs, heavy boobs, they'd be a catch at Fisherman's Wharf. I got them heavy boobs, heavy boobs, don't ever forget that these heavy boobs, heavy boobs are just sacks of yellow fat, like the stuffing of a couch. They're just sacks of yellow fat, technically meant to feed a baby, they're just sacks of yellow fat.